But we are continuing today uh, with through uh, we've been in a study on Ephesians on the armor of God, and we have been sharing with you several messages about the armor of God. Today we'll be talking about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What does it mean to wear the helmet of salvation? So let's just pray before we approach the Word of God, Father. Um, we're just so thankful that we have this opportunity to meet, gather in your presence, focus on your word, help us understand, Lord, the life in Christ that you've given us and who you made us to be, who you've called us to be. Help us, God, as we look into your word to progress in renewing our mind. This is so necessary for each of us. I, I pray, Father, that we would not draw back in our mind in unbelief or fear because of pride, just believing the lie of the enemy. Lord, we ask you for your help, Holy Spirit, this morning. I pray that as Pastor Steve and I minister your word, that you speak through these words, Lord, that our voice decreases, your voice increases. And I pray, Father, you help us to each press on in, our, in your strength to use the armor of God. This yes. is what we're talking about, Lord. Let it not just be intellectual understanding. Father, I pray that we would, by faith, use the armor of God so that we could overcome the enemy by your power. Because your promise is that if we persevere with you, you will crush, we will see Satan crushed under our feet. Hallelujah. Lord. And this day. is what we desire. Yes. So we thank you, Father, for this time. And speak to us, Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible uh, clearly very clearly tells us that we enter into a spiritual war from the moment that we give our life to Christ. We do enter a spiritual war the moment that we give our life to Christ. And therefore, the Lord has given his people spiritual armor to wear. That we, this is what we've been reading about in Ephesians chapter 6. And so far, if we just take a look at the list, uh, this starts with the belt of truth. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Then there's the breastplate of righteousness. Then there's the shoes of the gospel of peace, that we walk in the peace of God, and we are to take the gospel out to others who do not know him. We have the shield of faith. Pastor Ben talked about that last week, that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one in this warfare, the one that come against our mind. Today we're going to talk about this helmet of salvation, and then next week is the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God, that's really the only offensive weapon that we can take ground with, and we need to take ground with it. Yes. We, need to, we need to be able to utilize our sword of the Spirit. And so uh, the fact is that the, the, the fact that God gives us armor, when you think about it, should tell us clearly that as believers, then we're going to face some opposition. Have you noticed that in your walk with God in your mind you have trouble keeping your mind on truth anybody in here everybody in here should be saying that's me Ephesians 6 12 says this it says for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, that word wrestle is bolded and underlined because I want us to think about it here for a moment. The, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uses this word wrestle. So we are in a spiritual wrestling match with our opposition. And have you ever watched a high school or a college wrestling match. I mean, wrestling isn't for the weak or the timid or the unprepared. Or the unprepared. Yeah, the unprepared. <laughs> our, our son, Pastor Ben, wrestled in high school. And as a mom, like, it would be... <laughs> he's laughing already. It would be so hard for me to watch these wrestling matches. And like they're slamming each other down on the mat. It's like, oh! Like, of course, when he's doing it, good! You know, it's like, don't, 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 don't! You know, and then I get contorted in all these positions. 
positions their legs and arms and hold themselves there. It's like, oh, something's going to break. I can't look. And then a headlock or whatever would come. It's like, oh, they're going to be suffocating. I'm like, stop it. I can't watch this. This is too much. I mean, wrestling is not really for the timid, even the person watching. It was like, as a mom. And I thought, you know, I'm thinking about Paul using this word that we're wrestling against flesh and blood. Like, so if you, in wrestling, like if you get out on that mat and your opponent is ready, but you have not been bothering to train and build up your strength, like you, you get on the mat unprepared and you're not focused, because wrestling requires focus. It's not just, it requires endurance and it requires physical strength but it also requires mental strength and focus yes. and you're just you're not focused you're out there you're unprepared you're not aware of like the tactical moves of what you're supposed to be doing you're just trying to grab somebody and <laughs> you're going to get pinned <laughs> on that first period like a couple moves and boom you're down on the mat yeah and so wrestling, if we think about this in terms of our spiritual warfare, wrestling requires building endurance. Like, and we're talking now about spiritual things, too. And it's mentally, like I said, like, like Pastor Ben would tell you, like you can't just go out there and have your mind be on other things. You've got to be focused on what your opponent is doing. And so it requires this mental toughness, which is what's required of us when we're going to wrestle against our spiritual enemy. We need some mental strength, some mental toughness, an ability to focus. Yes. Because, you know, really when you get out there like in the natural on a wrestling to wrestle on a mat, it's just you and the opponent. It, it, wrestling's an individual sport. Like nobody can wrestle the match for you. You're on a team. <laughs> But you get out there one-on-one -on -one with your opponent. And just the same, nobody can spiritually wrestle the enemy for you. That's right. Like God gives each of us the same spiritual armor, but it's up to us individually whether we're going to really believe this and, and put it on and use it Correct. by faith. Like I can't wrestle and win your spiritual fight for you. I can teach you something this morning. I can pray for you, right. which is kind of like a coach on the sideline going, that you can do it. You know, and you've, you've got what it takes. And you've been practicing, and you're, you know, you're building up the motivation. But when, it, when the person gets out there on the mat, it's still up to them, right? So we've got to decide for ourselves when we hear about the spiritual armor wrestling, is this all true? And am I training myself so that I could recognize the moves like you get out there on a mat? You need to know these tactical moves like what your opponent's going to do so that you're ready to respond. This is what our armor is about. But we've got to decide, each of us, for ourselves, like, will I get in a fight? Yes. Will I train myself and am I ready? Because whether, whether you like it or not, whether we like it or not, once you give your life to Christ, you better be ready. You better get ready. This is what, by gathering together and listening to teaching and reading the Word of God and then practicing is the way we get ready. It's the way we build our endurance. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we start off in Ephesians 6, verse 12, but let's go back and take a look at verse 11. Uh, because really, the enemy's only tactical move against you is deception. Yeah. It's deception. And we have to be really good about discerning truth. And Jesus tells us where to get truth. Amen? Yeah. Yes. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we have to discern between truth and a lie. And we have to be able to discern spiritually between a truth and a lie. Because sometimes uh, they look almost the same. And sometimes there'll be a partial truth in a lie. And a partial truth makes it a lie. That's correct. Look at verse what it says here in verse 11. 
And, and Pastor Manny alluded to this too. Verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God. He's, he's telling us what to do. Put it on. It's there. That means that there's an effort on your part to put it on. Amen. That means it's not automatically on you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand up against the strategies and deceits of the devil. This might surprise you, but this means the devil has been strategizing against you for a long time. For a long time. He knows your weaknesses. And you know that he spends years trying to set you up. Years trying to set you up. He wants to make these mental moves against you. Against your mind. <laughs> so that when you wrestle him, that you're easily pinned. He can put you down. Because you don't know the tactics that he's using. There's a place in the Bible that says we're not ignorant of his devices. Yeah. And so that means that we have a responsibility to not only put on the armor, but also understand truth and how it applies to our situation. And every situation is different, isn't it? Yeah. And I, the truth is, I can't wrestle your match for you. You can't wrestle my match for me. It's just like the... the Ten virgins. I can't give you my oil. And you can't give me your oil. And so what we have to do is really put on this armor. And it shouldn't be fearful to us because what does it say? The Bible declares no weapon formed against us shall prosper. See now there's truth. Now did we know that scripture? I mean, this is part of our, our weapons. The, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus used the sword of the Spirit against the devil when he was tempting him in the wilderness. But the devil also came right back with Scripture, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. And you, we've got to understand that this deception stuff, it takes place in our minds. It takes place in our minds. So that means we have to pay attention to the way we think what we're thinking. We have to learn to ask ourselves, is this thought I'm thinking true? Is this feeling that I'm feeling true? Is it from God? Does it line up with the Word of God? And this takes effort. It's wrestling. It's helping ourselves to come to a place where we know that the, the tactic of the enemy is going to try to do this move and maybe your coach is yelling to you from the sideline about how to counteract that move and we have to know that. We have to know it. I don't want to get pinned in the first period of the match. I don't want to get thrown down. I don't want to be contorted. I don't want my arms to get bent backwards. No, I want to be doing that to the enemy. Amen? Amen? Come on. Do these thoughts agree with the Word of God? That, that Now that's implying that we need to know what the Word of God says. And we have the ability right now because of the Internet and because of technology that we can look up something really quick off your cell phone. We really don't have an excuse sometimes. We can do it. We have to be disciplined in our mind. We have to become spiritually minded of these things. We cannot allow our feelings to rule over us, to dictate what we believe. Anybody wake up with feelings today that lied to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, we, we're in a wrestling match. And that wrestling match is hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's not somebody from afar. It's right here, right now. It's everywhere. And so what is the devil afraid of? Truth. Truth. Exactly right. He's afraid of truth. And he's afraid that if you know the truth, he knows the truth will set you free. 
And so his number one thing is to distract you from the Word of God. Distract you from coming to church. Distract you from actually looking up to something to find out. It, he's trying to distract you from even holding on to the truth. Because we have to have endurance. That wrestling match lasts three periods. It's not just one period. You have to be in shape to endure to the end. This is, this is our call. And we have to put on the armor of God. I can't put your armor on you. You have to do it. So our fight then in wrestling, what you're saying, is to believe and hold on to truth. Where do we hold on to it? Up here. Yeah. It's up here we hold on to it. So today we're talking about the helmet of salvation. And the helmet, we have this up on PowerPoint, the helmet tells me how to think. Correct. As a saved person. I do have to think differently than how I thought when I lived in the world. We are in a new kingdom. Come on. And I have to learn how to think. I have to put this helmet on of salvation and learn to think like a saved person. I have to know what I let into my thoughts, which would be, we're talking about the Word of God. This is truth. So we've got to get used to this Bible. Yeah. This can't be a foreign book to us. We're going to go, this is, you know, this is my manual for life. So I've got to become familiar. And I have, yes. I need this, if I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, I have to know what I let into my thoughts. And this would be the starting place. Come on. And then I have to know when I put that on what I should, what it's going to protect my mind from. Because my mind does need to be protected. Yes. I can defile my mind in my thought life by opening it up to unclean things, to evil things. Yeah. The Bible says when you do that, you are opening up yourself to unclean spirits and even demonization. Yes. And I can do that. How do I do that? I can do that by continually what I look at on the internet, what I scroll through and watch on my phone, what I listen to, the kind of music I, I might listen to, what I hold in my mind even, in a mindset, bitterness, right. you know, jealousy, unforgiveness, fear, fear, all these things I need to protect my mind from. Because I can open myself up. When I take that helmet off, I can open myself up to unclean things and unclean spirits that will, that the word Bible calls it, demonize us. Yes. Which is a kind of oppression. Because it, it's bothering your mind. You can't get rid of the thought. You can't get rid of the thought. And so we need the helmet. We need to understand what the use of the helmet is for. So it's like when a, yeah, when a soldier... For sure, when a soldier's getting ready for battle, one of the last pieces of armor he puts on is the helmet. It's the helmet. And the helmet really is, it protects your mind, which is really, in a sense, the control center of, of everything else. Now, the other pieces of armor really won't do us any good if we have a, a blow to the head. And it's important for us. We absolutely need the helmet of salvation to walk through this life. It's a must. And, you know, we come, all of us, we come into this world without a helmet on. Because it's the helmet of salvation. We don't, we're not born into this life being a Christian. When we come to the place that we recognize we need a Savior, that we sinned against God, and we surrender our lives to Christ, that's when we are saved. But before that, the enemy has, depends on when you were saved, an incredible amount of time to fill your mind with garbage. Yeah. Lies. And we, we had no idea that they were lies. And we allowed all these thoughts, all these feelings, to actually take up residency and take up space in our brain. And we need to evict some people. Amen. Amen. 
And because the demons will do their best to fill your mind with lies. We're in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Isn't the God of this world, Satan, you know, the scripture says he's blinded. Like when you're when people are not saved, you're spiritually blinded. Yes. The minds of unbelievers. So you don't have a helmet on your head, so to speak. And what is he going to do? He's going to try to keep anybody from coming to that knowledge of salvation. Yeah. That's his first thing. And if he fails in that, then well, now he's going to feed you and I lies to throw us off of the truth. Because if we're weakened in any area, he'll know about it and he'll take advantage of it. This is really important. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's, it's, uh, I'm, we have it on PowerPoint on verse 2 and 3, but I want to take a look at verse 1. It says, And you... He, Jesus, made alive when you were dead and slain in your trespasses and sin, in which, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Here it is. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We followed the pattern of this world system. This devil has a thought pattern that has permeated this entire world and this is what we're talking about. And before we came to Christ, we were just buddied right up into it. We didn't know any different. But now we do. We didn't know to guard our thoughts from things. We didn't know. We didn't know that we were supposed to reject things that were obviously wrong. Some of the things we did. But we let everything come into our mind. Everything. And there they were, sitting there. It's just like what it says. Seeds. These thoughts are seeds in your brain. And every seed produces after its own kind. That's why Pastor Mamie was saying... You can defile your mind by what you put in it. And it might not seem like, well, I, lightning didn't strike me. I didn't get thrown off. It's seeds. It's little seeds. The devil's not going to come out and play his hand right away on you. He's going to let it set up and brew a little bit more. All these things are going to start to partake, be a partaking of your belief system. Oh, I believe this now. Okay, and then you find out a little later on, well, that was a lie. You've been believing a lot. But all of us start off this way. So all of us have work to do. Nobody has arrived. But we need to press on. We can't just settle for where we are. We want more revelation. We want more understanding. We want gain victory in more areas of our life. Because you know what? People are depending on you. You don't even know them right now. But God Himself knows the future. He's got you figured out and wants to place you in a place where it's going to help deliver somebody else into the freedom that's only found in Christ. And so what we need to do is be prepared for that. Amen? Amen? We have to guard our thoughts. We have to reject the lies. Accept the truth. You know, unbelievers aren't experiencing this warfare. Not at all. And the reason why is because they're prisoners already. <laughs> when you came to Christ... Did it seem like all hell broke loose on you? <laughs> it's like everything I'm doing now, I'm fighting stuff. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because he had you before. He didn't even have to mess with you. He'd come and put a thought in your mind, and then he'd come back six months later, you're still thinking on that same thought, and he says, okay, God. But now what we're doing, we have to come and move break free of those old patterns of thinking. This is why we have to put on the spiritual armor. 
Unbelievers are captive. They're slaves to sin already. We just read that scripture. We were all under the power of the evil one. We were all sons of disobedience. We were all under the wrath of God. But He's rich in mercy and He opened the eyes of our understanding so that we understand this. I like how the message paraphrase puts these scriptures that we just read. It says this. It says, <laughs> You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us. Doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. That's pretty descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, what person in the world, what unbeliever would recognize this? Nobody's recognizing this, what's happening like to them and to the outside world. People are just going about their everyday life. They're getting up, getting dressed, going to work, coming home, you know, buying groceries, just... But in the spirit realm, that they look free, at least in this country, he would look free. But in the spirit realm, in the eternal realm, yeah. they're prisoners to the prince of the power of the air. They're captive. They're actually captive people. And of course, what's the consequence to this? It's huge. Oh boy. It's huge because people <clears throat> will live somewhere eternally, and there are only two places in eternity. There's light and darkness. Without salvation, there's eternal condemnation and darkness that awaits that person forever. This is why we preach good news. It's like, you don't have to go there. Jesus made a way for you to be saved. Have your sins forgiven. Yes. Live eternally with Him. And even start it now, here in this life. Yes. The kingdom of God has been announced already. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He announced the kingdom is here. And it dwells on the inside of us by faith for those who believe and have yes. received forgiveness. And so this is why we preach the gospel. This is why it's so important that people know that we make him known. But yes. once you give your life to Christ, then this is when the opposition and the warfare <laughs> begins. It's like Pastor Steve saying, if you're a prisoner in a cell, well, you're not, you might be resisting some, but you're not, you're not getting anywhere. You're stuck in a cell. You're taken captive already. But once you give your life to Christ, well, you're no longer a prisoner. Right. Jesus Amen. came to do what? Set the captives free. free. Yes. Amen. So he set us spiritually free. This is the helmet we put on. We've yes. got to start understanding, whoa, something is very different now about my life, my perspective, who I am. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot to renew our mind to. Look at what Colossians 1.13 says. Great scripture. An awesome scripture. Speaking about this, the Father, it says, has delivered us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, yes. the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Yep. Wow! Yeah. I mean, notice, you know, we were under the control of the dominion of darkness, but look at what that scripture says. The Father has delivered us. Yeah. He's done it. It's, it's real. It's today. Yes. <laughs> he has delivered us to himself. I know often it doesn't feel like it. And we look and we're like, well, we're in this earthly realm. But this is part of learning to walk by faith. Yes. And the more you read words like this and you, you begin to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to understand and see what you're talking about. You begin to see it. He, the Holy Spirit is given to us that we might know yes. the things that have been freely given to us. You're a child of God. Yes. You have a great inheritance that's been given you in Christ. Yes. You're actually part now of a royal priesthood. Who, it says in 1 Peter, who God called us out of darkness yes. 
you know, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this blinding veil as a prisoner really has been removed from your mind, from your eyes. If you let it, if you begin to read with this faith, That's now right. we have access to light. Now we have access to truth from God's word. So this, the second thing then, we said that you have to understand, you want to yeah. say that part of it, is when you give your, when you're born again. You get the helmet of salvation. Yeah. And you, you've got to understand, don't we love it when things instantly happen? Yes. Oh, yes. We do. But you know the Bible declares that the precepts of God are line upon line. Here a little, there a little. So we've got to understand that you might not see progress, but you're planting seed to overtake that field full of poison that you have already. All of us had these seeds. But now it's our responsibility. Again, I can't make you think according to the Bible. God can't make you think according to the Bible. Only you can do. And you've got to understand that you are actually in the arena right now. Yeah. You're, you're not waiting to get into the arena. You're in the arena right now. You have been translated. Yeah. If you have been given a helmet of salvation, why? So yes. that we can know these things. <laughs> There's no other way to know it except by the help of the Holy Spirit. As right. we yeah. abide in truth. Abide means you kind of live there yes. now. You live. Abide means I, this is where I live. I don't come and go. Come and, we often feel our minds feel like we come and go and come and go. But Jesus said, if you abide in my word, there we go. then you'll know the truth. Yes. And the truth will, and we put it on here, it will slowly set you free. Yeah. Yeah. Because anybody who's walked with Christ for any length of time realizes, like you said, this does not happen overnight. Mind renewal is a lifelong journey. And that's okay. That's good. It is good. That's all right. There's nothing. That's all we have is time, right? Sure. Who, who won the race? The tortoise or the hare? Fit. The tortoise or the hare? You know, but you have to do this. Nobody's going to do it for you. As much as we pray, as much as God wants it to happen for you, you have to do it. You and I have the responsibility to do it. We all want the freedom. But you know what, what the, uh, comes down to the place that I'll do it if it's easy. <laughs> Don't make it too hard. Don't make well, it too hard. You have to think of that word wrestle again. Do I have to read? <laughs> Yes. Do I have to think? Can somebody think for me? I wish it could all come by laying on of hands. It's like, everybody line up here after the service. We're going to pray for everybody. Your life is different. It's like, unless you die right there and go to heaven, then it'll be different. Yeah, that's right. Other than that, we yeah. have to... We pray have to, that I don't have any trouble with the devil anymore. Yeah. Oh, so you want me to pray that you die. Yeah. <laughs> But look at look at Luke four eighteen. This is so great. Yeah. Jesus, this is Jesus's uh, message he gave to his hometown, and then after he gave this message, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> he says, this, "Welcome to ministry." Welcome to the ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, praise God. Are you getting this to understand that we have the responsibility? Nobody else has the responsibility for your life but you. Yeah. And then we have to do it. Yeah. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. The opening of the prison and set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he goes on here and he says, to give beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
is 861. That's just so... What does it mean to a believer? It says, what's this have to do with the helmet of salvation? He said, well, everything, to tell you the truth. You know, the enemy fears the, the truth. Yeah. He, uh, you've got to understand that Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says this, he says, Behold, I've given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall in any way harm you. Now, if you don't know that, you can think you're going to get defeated and they're stronger than you. But if you know and you put on the helmet of salvation, you can hold to that truth and there's a tactic that Okay, he's going to put you in an arm bar. Well, guess what? Now I know how to get out of that arm bar. See, you and I are no longer prisoners held captive by him. We're not subject to his slavery anymore. We're not stuck in a pattern of fear, thinking, of oppression, of just complete depression and hopelessness. No. You know, Pastor Mamie said this. It was, well... She quoted it. Yeah. She didn't say it. <laughs> See, we belong now to a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood of believers. 1 Peter 2, 9. This is, this is your position now. You're royalty. You're not a slave. You're not a prisoner. You're royalty. You're royalty. That's part of putting on the helmet of salvation. Letting yourself know that you are part of royalty. You belong to the royal family of all eternity. There's no higher position. But the enemies, what does he want? He wants to deceive you. He wants to trick your mind and to say, well, that doesn't feel like it's true, does it? If I felt like I was a member of the royal family all the time, it would be amazing. Because I don't. But yet, I do know the truth. And the helmet of salvation is strapped on my head so it doesn't tilt to the left or to the right. Again, your head is the command station. You know, you've got to protect your thinking. You've got to know what you're thinking. You've got to judge your thinking according to the Word of God. The Word of God is eternal. The helmet of salvation keeps the enemy's thoughts, ideas, suggestions, suggestions impressions. It keeps them at bay. It does not allow them to get a foothold in your, in your mind. You don't want those thoughts to take root in your mind. You want to pluck up every plant that the Father did not plant by the root and replace it with truth. Yes. And then you have to reinforce that truth that you've just received from the Word of God by meditating on it, thinking on it. That's working and operating in the helmet of salvation. It's not a one-time thing. It's just like uh, Ben when he went to wrestling. Well, guess what? How many times did he do the same move over and 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 over? And why? Because you want you don't even want to think about it. You just want it to happen. It's called muscle memory. And that's what you want to have happen in your mind about the Word of God. You want it to be, nope, this is that, that's a lie, I can tell that right away. Nope, I can tell that's a lie right there. Nope, that's, nope, that is the truth. And I'm, I'm embracing it. We've got to put on the full armor of God. And nobody can do that for you, except you. We have a responsibility to ourselves, to our family, to people we meet in the future. We have a responsibility to God. It's not just, I want all the benefits that it takes that God has given me. No, a mature believer says, I want the responsibility of 
what God has called me to, to make also. a disciple. We're all called to yes. called to make it be a disciple that makes a disciple. That's right. So when we're talking about these feelings, oh, yeah. you know, like being gotten, like these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that produce feelings, don't they? I mean, you think about something, something comes in your mind negative about the future and the what if, and then all of a sudden the mood kind of goes down and the thoughts, you know, you could play out that thing that's going to get worse. And uh, then you start, or, or something happens to you at work that you, you, know, you feel like I'm, the devil starts saying, you don't know what you're doing, you're worthless idea. Like all these thoughts, ideas, suggestions, if you believe them long enough, you don't know how to reject them. Come on. Then it's very possible that those your feelings are lying to you. It's Just because you alarm. feel worthless doesn't mean you are worthless. Right. Certainly isn't true according to the Word of God. Amen. I mean, just because a person begins to feel hopeless, and many people are feeling hopeless, the suicide rate, especially among young people, is rising. Just, but just because you feel hopeless doesn't mean that's the end. It must be true. My life is over. Take my life. No. In Christ, we have a living hope that's beyond decay, reserved for us, it says, in heaven, that'll carry us through yes. this life until we go beyond the grave and get to heaven. So at the root of those feelings of whatever it might be, worthlessness, hopelessness, is very often a lie because it's, yes. who, did God plant that thought there? Does that go with his word? Did you open up the word of God and read in the Psalms, you know, your life is hopeless. Give it up. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's a blessing not. for yeah. everybody but Steve. Right, yeah. Right. You'll never amount to anything. <laughs> it's a lie. Come on now. God didn't plant it there. And our, we want transformation in our life. Why is my life yes. like this? Yes. The Bible promises the life transformation in Romans 12 too. The transformation and the freedom that Jesus came to give us, like the beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, comes as I make a decision. I have to make a decision to get in the fight and, and wrestle with these thoughts and then cast one down and renew my mind and replace it with truth. Yes. Believing truth. That's how I put on the helmet of salvation. And then when I do that long enough, those old feelings do start to subside. Yes. They slowly change and start aligning with truth. It doesn't happen overnight. Often you have to keep washing your mind with the word washing it and washing it, telling yourself That's the good. truth. Yeah. But little by little, you can start to think on, God's given me beauty like for ashes in my life. Look how he's trans. Anybody, I could have several people get up a testimony this morning that could say, Look what God's done in my life because of believing him and trusting him. Instead of depression, I have this sense that, you know, I have hope in this life. Amen. He said, The oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise. Like, I've learned to praise and thank God and be grateful instead of letting this spirit of heaviness. Yeah. Be, be the guiding factor of my mind. And you begin to feel like we just read that scripture from Isaiah, an oak of righteousness. He described a planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness. You begin to feel like I'm, an, I'm more of an oak of righteousness yeah. than some dry leaf just blowing and tossed about in the wind. Like, I don't know where my life's going. I'm lost. I'm, no. With every piece of our armor, again, has to do with what we're doing with our mind. Yes. And the enemy wants you to linger between doubt and unbelief. If he, if he doesn't stop a person from getting saved, <clears throat> then he's going to try to steal the truth. Yeah. Help you, you know, want you to let go of the truth. Have your linger between doubt and unbelief all the time. Can I trust God completely? Is this really true? Does God really love me? The devil wants your mind like half in and half out. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like what Pastor Steve was saying, a little bit of a lie, you know, it just... <laughs> It's not true then. Because he knows, Jesus said, the king, a kingdom divided against itself will fall. That's good. So God is wanting all of you. This is why God says, give me all of your life. Like, go all in. That's the only way to be an overcomer. Yeah. 
They go, I'm going all in. I don't even know what this means. Correct. But I want all of what Jesus died to give me. Yes. It's because the devil is after your, your wavering and your fall. God's after your victory. God's after you to become an overcomer. Amen. The, I mean, the truth is, is that, you know, the devil doesn't want you to understand that you have been delivered. You have been delivered. Yeah. It's past end. Do you understand? It's the blood of Jesus. You're accepting the, the sacrifice of Jesus. Applying the blood in your life. You have been delivered. He fears that you put on the helmet of salvation. He does. He, he, he doesn't want you to walk in your inheritance. No. He doesn't want you to walk in the freedom and the power of Christ. He doesn't want you to grow in the knowledge of Christ. He doesn't want you to recognize who you are in Christ. He doesn't want you to know that the old life is done and the new life has begun. He doesn't want you to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He doesn't want you to know that you are free. You're no longer a slave. You're a child of the living God and you have a robe of righteousness. You walk with God. You put on the helmet of salvation. You are royalty, just like the Scripture says. He doesn't want you to recognize any of that. He wants you led by your feelings. And when you do that, you're going you're gonna to go on. Yeah. It's, you go it, back into being a prisoner. That's it. It's so true. And how easy it is, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. we got the whole world telling us that we're no good. And it's like you start beating yourself with a hammer on your head. Oh, I didn't do this. I did that. And then the devil comes by and says, here, try this three-pound sledge. Yeah. You start hitting oh, yeah. it a little harder. We, we, we can't defeat our own selves. We need to keep this helmet of salvation. Listen, Jesus has given us beauty for ashes. We all have a past. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. And the devil wants to remind you of the past. You have to remind them of who you are now, not of what you were. And remind him of his future, where he's going. You start reminding him of his future, I'll tell you what, he's going to start leaving you alone. What was that? I think I heard, oh, was that the chains? I think that's the angel with the chains about ready to bind you up and throw you in the bottomless pit. Just remind him of his future. He's going to leave you alone. He's going to come back. He doesn't want you to know that greater is He who's in you than He who's in the world. Yeah. He doesn't want you to know that you walk in light and He's in darkness. Exactly. He doesn't want you to know that God separated light from darkness. Yes. He doesn't want you to know, just like what Jesus says, the prince of the power of air is coming and He has nothing in common with me. See, that's, you can say the same thing. You can say the exact same thing. He doesn't want you to know that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Yeah. His days of running your life are over when you find out who you are in Christ. When you keep the armor of God on and don't take it off. And the victory, the Bible says the victory that overcomes the yeah. world, which is Him, is what? Your faith. Your faith. See, your faith. It's a fight of faith. The devil is after your faith. I mean, he wants you to keep your idols of self. You know? So and sex and rebellion and do my own thing and live life my own way and how I feel, my preferences, and still sometimes even still call yourself a Christian and say, well, I'm all right. You know, I said that prayer, that sinner's prayer, 25 years ago. <laughs> and the devil will whisper, you're safe. That's all you need. You don't really have to obey anything else, the Word of God says. Now, that's a, that's a half-truth. It's a lie, really. I mean, many people have said the sinner's prayer and even been water baptized. I've seen it happen over the years. We've yeah, seen it in we ministry. Did. 
obviously something was not really real about all of it. Never a person never gave up their life. Never right. what Jesus said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. These are important words. Do we understand that I could say a prayer, but if my life doesn't reflect anything about what I just who I gave my life to, I have a new master if I gave my life to Christ, and he has a lot to say to me about my life. So if I just say a prayer, but I do nothing with it, then I don't know if that prayer is worth anything. Come on. I mean, you can people can trust in a false hope. Yep. I mean we We've been reading through as we close out, we have just a few minutes left, but we've been reading through the book of Numbers, you know, in our Bible reading as a church, and story after story, you see God, these are God's chosen people, Yeah. the Israelites, rebelling over and over and over again in unbelief. They just had a really hard time getting a mindset change yes. and learning to trust and obey God. And God miraculously, I mean, he showed them through signs and wonders his goodness. Delivered them from slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt. They were slaves. He did signs and wonders. He split the Red Sea. He, yeah. he showed them. He said, I'm taking you out of slavery and I'm taking you to the promised land. You're no longer slaves. You're my chosen people. And it's all a type and shadow of our salvation in Christ. We, yes. we need to look at their stories and learn from them. That's what 1 Corinthians 10 tells us to do. Go back and learn from what they did and don't do what they did. <laughs> Basically what it says. Because it's the story, the same thing. It's a type and shadow of our salvation found in Christ. How Christ, we just read that scripture in Colossians, took us out of slavery, the kingdom of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of light. That's them coming out of slavery to Pharaoh, and God saying, I'm taking you to a promised land. You're going to learn how to love me and worship me, because I'm your source. Yes. I'm the giver of life to you, and they just didn't get it. They wanted the promised land, but... The sad part about it is only a couple of them made it into the promised land. I mean, God kept wanting them to learn, like to trust and believe, but it was like they had this slavery mindset. And it's just like what happens to us in the world. We come out of the world, and we have all this stuff in our mind, the way we live and how we perceive life to be. And God's like, let's get our mind renewed and see the bigger picture. Yeah. But it does require obedience. Right. I mean, the wilderness was tough. It was uncomfortable. And they grumbled and they griped and they complained and they didn't like how God was dealing with them. And they kept focusing so much on what they didn't have and letting their flesh talk to them. It was all unbelief. God called it the sin of unbelief. And even to the point where they're like, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's choose some people and take us back. Like, think about it. Back to slavery. But I've seen it. I've seen it happen in the church. Yes. This is too hard. I don't know where God is. He didn't come through for me the way I thought he would. I'm letting go. It's like you're letting go of eternal life and you're going back to what? Slavery to Satan? I mean, these are these are real comparisons. Yeah. I would encourage you read Hebrews 3 and chapter 4. And read 1 Corinthians 10. Please, yeah. read those chapters and you'll see more clearly because we don't really have time to talk about it here. But they refuse to change their mind. The point is why we bring it up is they refuse to change their mind. A change of mind is repentance. Yes. That's that word. The word repentance means I have a change of mind. You know, I've been going, if I've been going this way, doing my own thing, God's saying change your mind, come and come my direction. And they just, they wouldn't do it. And it cost them dearly. I mean, they, it's like putting on the helmet. We say this because we really, it's important that we put this helmet on. We understand the warnings in Scripture about unbelief and not doing it. Because I think they all thought they're headed to the promised land. Yeah. They're going in. And that part is the tragic story of Numbers is, that, is Israel's unbelief. You get a big picture of the mind of unbelief. And they suffered the consequences of it. Yeah. That whole generation died in the wilderness. And that was never God's intention. They never entered the promised land. Yeah. 
And in the New Testament, it talks about a believer should enter into the rest. That means I've given my life to God. I've entered into the rest like that old way is done. I'm going forward in obedience. And you have to look at the church and go, is the church understanding this? The, what God is really asking of us as believers. Because the consequence of just staying in my own mindset and believing lies will, will have a cost for us. We will all face Jesus one day. Yeah. And we want to be ready, don't we? This is why we, you know, we even say some of these things because God gave us, God gives us warnings in Scripture. Be sure you understand what's required of you. That it is we're saved by faith, you know, by the grace of God through our faith. But then we're saved for good works. Yeah. It's not about just the salvation prayer and now I just do my own thing and I think I'm just going to go to heaven. That's a false hope. I just I say that again. You'll find so, in uh, Hebrews close out here. In Hebrews three and four, the, what we're asking you to do to read, you'll find that he correlates disobedience with a lack of faith. Yeah. Now I think to myself, those Israelites, they had no Bible. They didn't have anything written in front of them. They had Moses to give them the word of God. So you could look at them and go, wow, like, God, you didn't give them a break? Like, that was pretty hard. They just, we have a Bible. Amen. This makes us very responsible before God. Yes. We're not going to stand before Jesus and go, I didn't know. Well, maybe you didn't, but the fact that you came to church today and you heard preaching like this, it actually can be dangerous, if you will, because you can't, the, the, Jesus will take us right back to the moment and go, yeah. you can't tell me you didn't know you heard it March 12, 2023. I pray, let's just pray, Heavenly Father, by the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we need your, we need to hear your voice. Father, I pray your voice is made known to every heart in here today. That these things are serious yes. about eternity. I pray you would break off just complacency in the minds of people. Discouragement in the minds of people. The, the drawing back in fear for whatever reason or pride, I'm going to do my own thing. Father, I pray for hearts of repentance that we would realize I'm, I need to turn. I really need to make a true decision. I'm turning. I'm giving my life to you today, Lord. And maybe, you know, maybe you've, all, you've thought, I gave my life to you, to Christ, but well, so maybe you're coming back today. Maybe today, maybe yeah. you've been away from the Father's house and you're coming back. It's like, no, I'm turning and I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to help me stay on the track with you. I give you my whole heart. I give you my soul. I give you my life, Lord. Do what you will with it. I pray, you know, I pray, Father, for people who make that a sincere prayer that the gifts that you've planted inside their heart would come forth. Yes that you would give them the oil of joy instead of mourning. They would see that serving you and loving you and being devoted to you, Lord, is going to bring joy and peace into their life and purpose. And it's going to help save us for all eternity. So we worship you, Holy Spirit. Only you can do this. This is a personal thing. As you sit there in that, in that chair, Make your personal prayer to the Lord. Tell Him, I'm turning. I'm coming to you, Lord. And if you've never given your life to Christ, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm turning, Lord. I'm asking you to give me new life. Yes. Your, your resurrection life. I turn from the old. Help me, Holy Spirit, to walk with you. Make me a child of God from this day forward. Grow your church, Lord. Grow us. Help us to be ready for your second coming. 
Put on the whole armor of God. And don't take it off. Yes. Yes.